Hello there. This is uh, our podcast, We Should Write This Down, where we uh, ramble on and maybe make a fan fiction out of what we chat about. <laughs> maybe. And uh, my name is Chris Cusso. I am a writer at trustyhenchman.com, and I snack on danger, and I dine on death. <laughs> my name is Nicole Lamb, and um, I don't know. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> I'm too tired to do this. <laughs> that's it. That's it, my opening. That's it. I'm too that's tired it. to I'm do this. I'm Nicole Lamb, and I'm too tired to think of a clever opening. Yes. The end. Okay. Thanks for joining us today. That's been our episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to immediately put you back on the spotlight yeah. after that. And uh, you have been playing a lot of uh, cyberpunk. Yes. And uh, we, we've been meaning to talk about it for a while, but, you know, we've been delayed and, you know, the nation's on fire and all <laughs> yeah. these other things are happening. Yeah. Instead of talking about that topical bullshit, yeah. uh, let's talk about uh, the hottest dad that you <laughs> currently have a crush on. I love how it was like I was going to talk about cyberpunk elements from, you know, like everyone was talking about how the game is broken and blah, 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 blah. And you're like. But there's a hot dad we need to talk about. Yes. For context, because uh, we haven't talked about hot dads much on this podcast. No, actually, we haven't. Nicole used to talk about, um, I, I guess the prime cut example would be Corsair, Cyclops' father yeah. from the X-Men. And there was a comic book series that like, I think John Lehman wrote or... I can't Greg remember Oka. who wrote it, but Russell Dodderman did the art. Yeah. And uh, the Russell Dodderman's depiction of Corsair. Oof. Uh, oof. That that man makes sexy human beings. Like even mm. um, Hasbita or whatever her name is, the skunk lady. What's her name? Yes. Hasbita. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Dude, there's two of them together. Whoo. It's hot. Hot. And uh, so you, you have a particular affinity towards sexy adult men. Yeah, I definitely uh, have a DILF, a DILF problem. Gilf, gilf? <laughs> Wait, say that DILF? I have a DILF problem. D? Interesting, Dad? D. Dad, yes. I'd like, yes. like to, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. My hair is going in my face. I'm drunk. All right. Um, gotcha. <laughs> that is the power of sexy dad. <laughs> the power. I just get weird. So yeah, so that's it started years ago when that series was coming out, Sexy Dad, and then Sexy Dad turned into like, you know, um, Pacific Rim, Idris Elba, Sexy Dad, yeah. and then uh, Optimus Prime as Sexy Dad, you know. Yeah, he is. It just became a thing. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. But in this right. instance, I guess my Sexy Dad, who's not really a dad, is Goro Takimura from Cyberpunk 2077. And um, if you're not playing the game, it's a it's a dystopian future where corporations own their own militaries, go to war and control everything. And the, the United States has gone to crap. And you're in this uh, Californian city called Night City. And you are, I don't know, doing all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to go fully into it because everyone's yeah. talked about it. So it would be kind of weird if you hadn't talked about it because even my mom wrote an article about cyberpunk. Just kidding. So anyway... There's a company called Arasaka, and they pretty much own Night City. I mean, they're very, very powerful. They hold a lot of sway. The person who is the is the uh, the top top of the chain at Arasaka is um uh, I forget his name. Sobu. Uh, a human. 
anyway, he's been yeah. he's uh, been around for like 150 years because he has all like the top technologies. He's been able to like stay alive for a really long time. He has a bodyguard. That bodyguard is Takimura, who's a very mm-hmm. honorable man. He takes his job very seriously and he's there to protect him. Uh, things happen. And Takimura is set loose in the world and has found a different perspective of life that changes the course of, like, his trajectory, his path in life. He's always been a corporate man. So he's very buttoned up. He's very honorable. He's very, like, stoic. And he kind of has that dark Batman gravelly voice. But he's got this really Mm. cute Japanese accent. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It just makes him even cuter. I mm-hmm. I just think it's great. I really have a huge crush on this guy. So when he showed up, so he's got these like crazy cybernetics because in, in cyberpunk, you can modify your body and become a cyborg. He's got these crazy cybernetics that go all the way down like his neck and yeah. he wears like a white shirt. So it almost looks like he's wearing like an ascot all the time, which just mm-hmm. adds to the element of his visual stunningness. And then he has... I'm pretty sure cybernetic eyes, but they make him look like he's got like blonde, blonde, uh, not blonde. I'm tired. Blonde blue. eyes. <laughs> blonde. It's light. It's like blue eyes. Yeah, blue and blonde. Sure. It's just, it's a, it's a lack of pigmentation. Is the dress white or is it blue? God damn it. You end up teaming up with, with Takimura, you know, kind of begrudgingly. He saves your life. Um, so you owe him your life. And it's just this badass scene that you get introduced to him. And then he's like, you meet in a diner and you're having this conversation and that's just where I fell in love with Takimura. And he's just so stunt. He's a stunning man to look at. He's got like, I'm not usually a man bun person. I usually think people look fucking stupid as hell. But he's got this like kind of salty, you know, kind of uh, Reed Richards, you know, graying uh, happening yeah, yeah. with a little bun. And I don't know. He's just beautiful. And so in the in the game, you can have romances. Uh, he is not a romance. <laughs> You can become oh. friends with him, which you better believe we're going to become best friends because I have a best friend slot open currently. Ah, you got that slot open. Got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, I'm picturing because, yeah, I was hoping there'd be some sort of romance or friends feature in there. And I'm picturing he saves your life and you role playing as the character, Nicole, would be just kind of like, Takimura, I owe you my everything. And he's like, that. That, that's okay. I have We're a slot good. open. You can chip in anytime. <laughs> and he's just like, no, no, no. I owe you so much. You and know, he's like, that's really okay. It's, yeah. it, it, was an, it was an honor to, to serve. It's good. We, we good, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. you know what? He actually has kind of Geralt vibes from Witcher because, you know, Geralt's mm-hmm. kind of that Batman kind of guy. You know, he's like, you know, oh, Takimura yeah. doesn't do that. as He's not as Batman, but he's got that stoicism and he's got the growly voice and he's got the high honor of justice and whatever. So he does have those elements that are definitely in a lot of these games of like rugged masculinity which i would say normally i don't like Mm -hmm. if you're good solid boy and you do good things i think that's very sexy and he's solid can i talk about how solid solid he is (laughs) solid boys can be sexy as opposed to liquid or gaseous boys yeah yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) real quick side tangent just real quick side tangent because it's occurring in my brain right now um because you said uh uh what's his bucket Geralt is like a batman he is because as i watched a witcher uh that what's that actor's name um superman henry cavill uh 
as as he was doing that, I was just kind of like, you're just being Batman. Like, you're 100 per- Why weren't you Batman? Yeah. Why were you Superman? Because you would make a better Bruce than a Clark. Yep. Because you have no emotion as a Clark, mm-hmm. which is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but him doing... He could flip between Batman and being an emotionally vacant Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So I just hope that in some future uh, rendition, if they bring you know, a bunch of the actors back for the Justice League that they just go ahead and quietly switch him over to being Batman and everybody just being like, weren't you? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've always been Batman. What's it to you? Yeah, that would really work. The the elements that I like about the, the rugged man type in these games is that mm-hmm. you can tell that they... They do have emotion, they do have feelings, and they do have, uh, a t- you know, vulnerabilities that, that, you know, if they let their guard down, they'll be vulnerable and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I think, like, Takimura should have been a romance because I think he needs that ability to just let his guard down and be vulnerable sexually with another person. <laughs> I mean, emotionally. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you believe this to be necessary. Look, I am a sex god, so I know all about these things, and I oh, okay. see it in this man that doesn't okay. exist. <laughs> He's a fictional character. He's kind of getting up there with me as, like, Iron Bull and Dragon Age, and I didn't even play that game. I just watched William play that game. Now, now William always plays lesbians because, I don't know, mm. women. Women are beautiful. Why would you want to be a dude when you could just be, like, a woman loving women? And I usually <laughs> women, 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 women. And woman. I'm usually either gay or let's just face it, I, I, I'm an equal opportunity lover in game and and in the real world. Sure, yes. <laughs> and Iron Bull is um, voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., which I love him forever for that because <laughs> thinking of that man as Iron Bull is hilarious. hilarious. Um, but also, Iron Bull is very much all about like friendship and family, which you know I love that shit so hard. And mm-hmm. he's also an equal opportunity lover. Mm-hmm. So, and he talks about how equal and open he is in the game. <laughs> I remember, he has a lot of slots open. Yes, I remember saying. telling William, you gotta, you gotta romance Iron Bull. And he's like, no, I'm gonna romance this stupid chick over here. And I, he didn't call her that. I hate her. Her name's Sarah. <laughs> Come at me, fans. I don't like Sarah. She sucks. (laughs) But I've thought about playing that game just because I want to be able to get my romance on. And also, it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful game. It has a moment where every time I hear the song, when the dawn comes, I almost cry or cry because it's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. So it's a good game. But anyway, Takimura, he needs this. He needs this. And more importantly, I need this. Just like I needed Captain America's Twitter pick last year in 2020, I also need Takimura in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) You need a full Twitter account. You need this. (laughs) So how did I get to this point where I'm super obsessed with Takimura, one one may ask, because it might just seem like... there's only five of us who care about Takimura <laughs> the way that I do. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, uh, what happened was, <laughs> I in the first act you uh, you meet you meet him in a way, <laughs> mm. and you then, meet him or you m e a t him. I don't know what that means. M e a t. You never m e a t him, unfortunately. Okay. 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 So you meet him in Act One, 
And then in Act Two, one of one of your quests is to go meet him at Tom's Diner, which means that you're sitting in a booth across from him. You're having a conversation about, you know, what what happens next. What is, mm-hmm. you know, your relationship and what has to happen kind of thing. He, you know, had this crisp white shirt. He has these cybernetics up his neck. He's got these like really stunning eyes and his hair's back and he's got the the, the Reed Richards gray. And as I'm just looking at him, I'm like, God, he's got some good daddy energy. That was just what mm, I was thinking. I think gotcha. of a, a friend of mine who always says he has that daddy energy and he's got um, salt and pepper hair and he usually has like the little Superman spit curl and stuff. And it's just like he understands the sexy dad situation. Yes. So it's just that daddy energy that he was exuding. And I would always joke with William about it, like, mm, that daddy energy. And he just like mm. laugh at me like you're being so ridiculous. But then it just, be- it just, you know, continued and grew from there. You know what my brain's doing right now? As if you read through a lot of Game of Thrones, um, something that uh, he likes to put in there a lot about certain characters is the salt and pepper beard. And so I'm just wondering if all that time, if he's just kind of like, got to put some of that there daddy energy to the song of fire and ice and daddies. That's the shorthand for what he was ultimately trying to say there. Yes. 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 <laughs> How do I make this elderly medieval man just a little sexier? <laughs> Daddy energy. Salt and pepper. It's, there we go. You know, it's a way to appreciate, you know, an a refined aged man, you know? Would you call a redhead guy salt and cayenne? <laughs> anyway. That's probably true yes <laughs> yes but just unfortunately the uh the gingers are not going to get as much love as somebody who has you know brunette to black hair with the mm, with the white mm-hmm. they would be what i like to call the step-headed red child <laughs> yes for no good because <laughs> i can't say things in the proper sequence no so yeah <laughs> but as you were saying <laughs> So Goro. Yeah, so Goro just started becoming an obsession of mine, and I also was just, like, thirsty for those romance options, too. And so I remember when I started joking around about his daddy energy that I – that's when the searching commenced where I said, can you romance Takimura? And was sad to find that that was not the case. And then if you do search that, you're going to get other searches that that may spoil things for you, which was also annoying because I was so – so early in stuff that I'm like, oh, now I need to think about this. That's great. <laughs> so I not only get, I don't get romance, but on top of it, I have some other thing, other thing. that I don't want to think about because it potentially kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, okay. It's something gotcha, gotcha. like you could miss it if you didn't know it ahead of time. Ah. And then you'd have to go back and play it and to try to get the outcome that you would have probably done had you known that that was an option so gotcha 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 so that's Mm. that's how the obsession began (laughs) the saga the saga of takumura the saga of daddy hot that daddy goro daddy goro that goro yes See, because I, I've, I've only seen a couple pictures of him, the my brain generally connects the name Goro to Goro from Mortal Kombat, <laughs> the four-armed uh, second-to-last boss. So I'm just wondering if if that Goro can be a sexy dad in somebody's fan fiction. I'm sure he can. 
Yes. Yes, I'm sure. Maybe not yours. But (laughs) think about those four hands and think about all the possibilities. (laughs) Well, I think his appeal is definitely in the forearms. I mean, it's Mm -hmm, mm kind of like having a threesome, but with only one person. So you don't have to deal with like the jealousy factors that a lot of people deal with when they have threesomes. I also appreciate that, you know, like... Yeah, the forearms are definitely a highlight, but keep in mind he is like a 10-foot dude. So there's other things. There's to other things. Other things. <laughs> <laughs> he might be hung like an interdimensional horse. I don't know. That might we be somebody's know. thing. I'm it could be somebody's the anti-size thing. queen, so that would be my nightmare. But <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. yes, right. Bad Daddy Goro. Yes. Got it. Oh, that's a different kink. That's oh, a different wait. kink. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that Fifty Shades of Goro? That's... <laughs> <laughs> you go to his playroom and it is an actual dungeon and you're like, oh, oh, oh no, this is bad. I've gone you, to the you wrong go, place. You, you go into his playroom, it's an actual dungeon, and then over the loudspeakers, that techno edit of the Mortal Kombat theme song that they used to play in every gymnasium <laughs> starts to play. <laughs> You know the one I'm talking about. Your your grade school played it during one of its basketball games at some point. <laughs> we all know that song. It haunts our dreams. They decided to uh, uh, sample that weird sound of Sonya Blade getting punched. <laughs> they thought, this sounds good, and it's just a woman going, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was the 90s. Stuff was extreme, okay? And we used weird sounds to make what we call music, even though it wasn't. Oh, I can't even do that voice. Damn, okay, I'm losing this. It's a reference to a future episode. We're time traveling here. Hey, don't give away the secret to our sauce. (laughs) The secret to our Goro sauce? I don't know. Yes. (laughs) So tell me, are there any other video game sexy dads? Let's see. Okay. Controversial yet brave opinion. I stole that quote from Trixie Mattel. Preston Garvey from Fallout. Everyone hates him because he's a Boy Scout and he tells you about the settlements. And if you hate settlements, then you probably hate Preston Garvey. But look, if we're going to bring the Commonwealth together, we need to bring the Minutemen back. And if we need that, we need good boy... Boy Scout, Preston Garvey dad. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, I In my fan fiction, in my game, I married him, and I have my son, quote unquote. If you played the game, you know what I'm talking about. And so he's technically a stepdad, because we're married. Mm. I put Mm. a wedding ring on his finger. Actually, it was my Idris Elba husband, because when you start off Fallout, you have a spouse, and of course I made Idris Elba to be my husband. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. And then I lost him. But, you know, that's that's how it goes in the apocalypse. And what's what I really love about Fallout is it it made a fan fiction I wasn't even trying to make. Mm. And that was Kate, who I personally wanted to romance because she's a hot, scrappy Irish chick. And I'm all about her. She wanted to romance me so hard, but my chick was actually straight in this game, which is weird for me, but just that's, I was trying something different. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Kate kept being like, you know, maybe we want to take this to another place or whatever. And I was, I had to, it broke my heart and other things. And I 
had to say no to her. And then I brought her to the settlement where like Preston and I lived and I had, you know, my two beds that were like our little bedroom. And every time I would wake up, Kate would be in one bed and Preston would be in another. And I was like, are we trying to do a triad here? Because like, Mm -hmm. I'm not mad about it. I'm really not. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, it wasn't like I was jealous, like, why are you with my man? I was just like, wait, what are we, what do I, do I need to prepare for something? I'm going to go shower. Mm -hmm. You guys just stay in bed. Hold on. (laughs) How many slots do I have to free up for this? I'll be right back. (laughs) And she would still be like, every once in a while, just being like, yeah, you want a romance? I'm like, fallout. Look, I'm trying to be a straight woman here. It's hard for me. I don't know how to do this <laughs> because I'm a thirsty bisexual. Like, why, why, why are you testing me? <laughs> so I want you to think of at least one or two more sexy dads because I'm leaning towards naming this episode Sexy Dad Harem. Sexy Dad um, Harem. Or video game Sexy Dad Harem. Hmm. So if you could sneak one or two more in there. Is would you say that Snake from Metal Gear Solid, especially as he gets older, is a sexy dad? Maybe you I don't know. Really I've never been those. into the Metal Gear games. Okay, but you don't care for his voice. At I mean, all? he he's the guy. He's the stoic yeah. guy, right, with the growly voice. Like it's yeah, he's the guy who gets into the crab battles. Yeah, um, <laughs> crab battle. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is um, that creator. What's his name? Kojima. Yeah, yeah, Kojima. Yeah. He uh, has an Easter egg in Cyberpunk 2077. Ah. Yeah. When you go to a Konpeki Plaza, he's in the bar and he's like talking about video games and what does it all mean and being artsy farts like he does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who else is a sexy dad? What else have I played? Do you think, does Dracula count as a sexy dad? <gasps> Out of the Castlevania series? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So we got a couple. We we, yeah. we have enough to to compromise a harem for you. So that's not bad. You could keep thinking of potential sexy dads. And as we're in the middle of talking about Star Trek or something, you could be like this guy, you know. <laughs> and we'll just be we'll, we'll just keep a running tally on them. You know what you, you know? um you were you reminded me. I was just having this thought the other day. How we on the podcast talked about Star Trek and we we're talking about the um the thing I never remember that makes. Earl Grey tea for um, Captain Picard. Replicators. Thank you. Why is that so hard for me to... Re- it's replicator. You just replicate food. So yeah. replicators, mm-hmm. just imagine it's a whole database of like scanned food and drink items, you know, and yep. they have a whole database of it. They have to program it in. There's a, there's episodes where they're just kind of like, oh, we've never programmed that. We don't know okay, how to make it. Okay, there you go. So my question is, is like, you know how people will go to restaurants and they'll be like, I want this burger, but I want it without like red onions. Right. Would that like break the system if you tried to alter what it is? Or would you just have to sit there and like program in a whole other burger just to Not, get the thing? I think it's as simple as, as the system just you know, deletes a one mm. and that uh, equals no onion. Okay. Because I was just thinking like, you know, you have this high tech thing and then what if the one thing broke of just like Sharon wanted no onions and now our replicators are down. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. Karen wanted, <laughs> doesn't want any pickles. God damn it, Karen. God damn it, Karen. In the middle, in the middle of a battle with the Romulans, uh, she's, you know, because the ship, the ship's not shaking yet or anything. And she's just kind of like, I want a Big Mac, uh, with cheese and onions, but hold the pickles. And in the middle of the battle, the computer's just like, error, error. error and they just error. take a torpedo 
They take a torpedo up in their torpedo bay. And don't even and... get me started on what Daniel did, because... Oh, God damn it, Daniel. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Daniel, we don't have kids' meals on this thing, okay? <laughs> Just eat an adult meal, God damn it, Daniel. <laughs> Today, we are having Indian. It is programmed only for Indian. You cannot have a hamburger. <laughs> You're going to have chana masala and you're going to freaking like it. <laughs> so, random weird side rant. I do utterly hate it. Uh, there, there's a restaurant here in Seattle that I love called uh, the Saffron Grill. Mm -hmm. And it is right next to a hotel. And so it is an Indian restaurant. They have great Indian food. But in the back of their menu, they have like this little section that's just like fries, cheeseburger, cake whatever and it's just you know that's just because there's some lazy ass tourists in the stupid hotel that wanted to just you know walk down and get something for their stupid kids and didn't want to get them indian food and the, they had to make something on the spot you yeah. know and they're just like just put it in the menu just put some chicken nuggets it's, on there Fine. yeah it's happening enough just that's we don't want to fight the karens oh america we're so we're we're a lot we're we're <laughs> yeah, a lot <laughs> a lot we're all a bunch of children in adult bodies <laughs> so you know what there is not a lot of in space gravity <laughs> <laughs> great transition thank you i'm trying here no. side 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 ramble this won't be too long I was rewatching some parts of the Transformers animated cartoon, and there's the entire sequence where Megatron and Optimus both like almost die in battle. Optimus dies soon, and Megatron and Decepticons are in space. They're being shuttled back to Cybertron inside a Decepticon named Astrotrain, who could turn into a train or a space shuttle, and he's a space shuttle. And so they're in space, and inside Astrotain, there is gravity. Because that's fine. There's gravity in, in starships and in other shows. You put a, you push a button, and ooh, artificial gravity. But there's a whole sequence where, where Astrotrain is like, jettison some weight or we'll never make it to Cybertron. And it's just like, buddy, 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 buddy. <laughs> Uh, you are the spaceship. You should know how space do. And how to space. Maybe you just turn a f switch and you don't have to murder six of your colleagues. <laughs> but Starscream immediately is like, oh, oh, yes, yeah, let's put it to a vote. I want to throw Megatron off the goddamn train. Throw, instead of throw Mama off the train, it's throw Megatron off the train. <laughs> <laughs> Coming uh, to HBO Max soon. Oh man, that should be the name of the episode. Yeah. This is gonna this episode's gonna have like four or five days. Sorry, <laughs> it's gonna be a long title because uh, I can't get rid of sexy dad Heron. But throw Megatron off a train is a winner. I really hope DLC comes out where you can romance Takimura. <laughs> Come on, CD Projekt Red, you need to build that goodwill. I mean, you don't, but not with me. Uh, but I just kind of would love it if, if you know, Starscream did his whole ramble about like, let's put it to a vote. So we throw off the people and da 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 Long, long Starscream evil rant. And then uh, Astrotrain's like, oh, oh, <laughs> I forgot we're in space. Hold on. <laughs> and they just all start floating. And Megatron just kind of looks over at Starscream. And Starscream's like, ah, I thought I had it. That one. <laughs> 
Oh, cartoons. And then they make it to Cybertron, but Megatron has to be nursed back to health, and so they make Starscream be his nurse. And he has to wear a sexy nurse outfit because, come on, why wouldn't you? <laughs> and it's a you rule. just kind of you get yeah you get Megatron abusing Nurse Starscream. You know, oh man, that's a fan fiction in in and of itself. And this is throw Megatron off the train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> is Megatron a sexy dad? Like an evil sexy uh, dad? I've heard him been called a sexy grandpa. Oh, that's right. Sexy grandpa. Because he's pretty old. It's a whole other thing. There's a issue of the IDW comics when Megatron becomes an Autobot, then he's on a ship with a bunch of other Autobots going on a quest. They all have to adapt a human holographic image and, and go to like a planet. And he appears and like the images are like some weird mixture of an algorithm and their personality. And so his image is like a very sexy grandpa. Mm -hmm. um, but he's also got like a belt buckle with like a skeleton on it and like an evil cane. And... <laughs> people online immediately like linked up that there's a british tv show i forget what it's called where there's like a couple of uh schmucks on the front lights of world war ii and they're nazis and they're like hey are we the baddies and uh, one of them's just like well look at look at the symbol on my helmet it's a skull <laughs> so megatron had a very specific oh i'm the baddie kind of moment <laughs> since <laughs> So yes, I, love it. I highly recommend Sexy Grandpa Megatron run of IDW. Uh, it is fan fantabulous. It is great. We do not throw that Megatron off a train. No, at absolutely all. not. We cherish and we love that Megatron. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Back to Sexy Dad. There's one person oh, sure. on Instagram because I can't let it go. You started this. Yeah. Who is actually <laughs> making a fan fiction of Takimura, like their their character from cyberpunk. And it's like them in a field hugging and like looking deeply in each other's eyes. And I'm like, this person understands me completely. Yes. I, I'm surprised there isn't more people out there because I did do a search like multiple times because I can <laughs> still not believe that you can't romance this person. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, here's the thing. So dude bros are really upset that they cannot romance Judy. Judy is the really gorgeous chick that you see in a lot of the promos of her looking like kind of from the side and she's got like a shaved head on the side and tattoos and stuff. She's she's cute as hell. And trust me, William and I are like, yep, we're females. We're going to we're going to do Judy so hard. Um, <laughs> and she needs it, too, because she's had she's been having a rough time in Night City. It's gotcha, been really gotcha. awful. So people like who are playing on the computer are, are like hardcore modding so that they can they can bone Judy and be in a male body. And it's just like, really, really, really like it's just so we little tiny violin that you couldn't like screw this chick when we can't even screw Takimura. <laughs> the injustice. The I don't injustice. actually want a mod of it, you know, because I just think that's gonna take away the purity that is gonna be yeah the friendship that we will have the the closeness the emotional vulnerability that takimura and i are about mm -hmm. to have throughout this mm -hmm. path i haven't gotten there yet but we're gonna get BFFs. close yeah gonna we're gonna get BFFs. close and he's gonna know he's got a friend in me <laughs> uh maybe this episode's name should be uh my bff takimura <laughs> seriously yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you uh, 
Do you want to talk some more about Sexy Dad, or do you want to maybe talk about some books we've read, or... Um, uh, well, just, just one quick thing on a more serious note of cyberpunk. Right. For me, it's a very playable game. For William, it's a very playable game. There are annoying crashes and bugs, um, but we have goodwill from CD Projekt Red, and we know that they will make it right. And if it does get really bad, we know we can put the game to the side and just wait until things wait get better. Yeah. Um, so it's like just... No Man's Sky. Yeah. You know, I mean... You give it time. They're, they, they will rebuild the trust. They will rebuild the goodwill. Hopefully, as far as whatever they're managing on the other side could get fixed as well, whatever the, the management problems were. And there's other things in the game development world that are a problem that I think we really could be talking about that would be helpful, just like we talked about what Hasbro is doing with toys and just toy collecting in general, or even like comic books, having Diamond be like the POS that it is and still and like actually sabotaging the comic book industry and the retail industry in many ways and how detrimental that is. I think in the gaming development world, especially when you have huge undertakings with mass. I mean, there's five, 500 to 700 people working at CD Projekt Red. Um, right. Not all of those are developers. I think, you know, people are like admin and all the different type of stuff. But, you know, a lot of humans put a ton of time and and some of them put love in it and some of them probably put spite because they're exhausted. And I feel right. all of that. But like we forget that there's human beings working on this and there's going to be flaws and game development is hard. And we know that even as gamers, we don't have to be developers to know that. Mm-hmm. So we have to maybe look at what timelines look like these days, you know? Right. And how people are forced into them. I'm upset by a lot of things. I think that there's, it's an inexcusable to have a game this broken that to come out. And I also think that there are probably problems that made this happen that are not being addressed currently in the industry. And that's the conversation that we should really be having. What, what if one of the big problems that caused all the other problems was an internal feud about whether you could romance Takamura? <laughs> I would <laughs> believe it. And it, it. it held up development by at least a year. There was the pro faction and the con faction, and like it really uh, it carried on. There there was blood spilled. Like and... Secretly, people were working on the Takamura romance thing instead exactly. of working on some of the bugs they were supposed to work on. Exactly. And people were like, this is unacceptable. You need to be yeah. working on these bugs right now. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Takimura needs love more than anyone else in Night City. <laughs> you know what the largest bug is? The absence of love for this man. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I hope when, when people finish the game that they have a, a love for Takimura. Um, I'm seeing a lot more videos out there about like how to how to how to make things be in his favor in the in the end of the game without like saying what happens and if by the end of the game if not love at least a massive boner i mean hopefully yeah. oh that reminds me i was watching the harley quinn show and there was a point where there's this the the plant that uh poison ivy has yeah frank or something like that frank 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 oh. i think he had a um a pot dealer guy who he yes. thought was just somebody who holds his pot and brings him around but he's an actual <laughs> marijuana dealer and he's yes. like driving out to this place to get something and he and the the guy chad i think his name is he gets yeah. hallucinogenic honey that you lick once and you see god and then you lick again and you get the hardest boner and you fall asleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> and harley quinn at the end of that episode is like talking to herself in the mirror like you know the doctor uh, harleen you know quinzel is talking to her and she's like 
Um, you are hallucinating me, but you are not hallucinating the plant that is driving and the dude with the boner in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. It was a great line. That's a good Yeah, I just l- lick once, you see God, lick twice, you pass out now the boner. <laughs> so why would you lick uh, twice while you're driving a car? Chad! <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about Harley Quinn a little bit before, but I, I will, again, highly recommend it. It is pretty fun. Yeah, I, I do think that you need to you need to be in the mood for it because it does, like, it dials oh, up yeah. to 11 and it can be a little intense, I think. It sometimes. never pulls back, but it has some of the best quick jokes I've heard in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though you might be on dialed up to 11 for so long, uh, some of those jokes are just brilliant. It's so good. There is some really good writing in there and some really good jokes. And mm-hmm. and some good character arcs. I really love the characterization. Yeah. There's going to be the, the whole sequence where they deal with uh, King Shark's arranged marriage. Oh. <laughs> and there's there's a musical under the sea and there, you got some good stuff coming to you. Nice. So, well, yeah. I love King Shark when he was in he was in jail and they were busting him out and he had become like. <laughs> yeah, the, the kingpin. Yeah, yeah, he had become the kingpin and he was like somebody who said something about fish and he was like, I told you about that. That's insensitive. And like he just yes. goes off. I freaking love his rant. And then he's like, OK, we can go now because it's yeah. also voiced by Ron Funches, who I yeah. think is a delight and a pleasure and a gift to this world. Mm-hmm. He has a mm-hmm. podcast called Getting Better with Ron Funches, and his voice is just amazing. Yeah. He's a really good dad. He's a super good dad. Good dad. He's a good boy, and you know how much I love good boys. I mm-hmm. want to change it from everybody wants to have the bad boy or wants to have the bad bitch or something like that, and everyone's just like good boys and girls, and we have really healthy relationships, and it's <laughs> exciting because we've never seen so much happiness and contentment and like partnership of working together with each other and making things happen. Am I, have I turned into Steve Rogers? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I just I'm I'm a little tired of the bad boy. Although the way that sure. you're describing it, it's kind of more like a Mr. Rogers about how like people should be good to each other. Oh, I'm I'm down with that. Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers is sexy as hell and like all the things that he was all about. I'm going down on record as saying Mr. Rogers is sexy as hell. <laughs> oh no, you should do that. Do that. Um I wanna make good keep, boys sexy. Come on. Keep, Keep talking about Mr. Rogers real quick because I'm trying to remember the name of somebody and uh, I'm stalling for time. I'm stalling so, for time. <laughs> Mr. Rogers uh, can lift Thor's hammer. Go. Talk about that for oh, a second. Absolutely. He's absolutely worthy. I mean, come on. If Steve Rogers can do it, Mr. Rogers. Oh, Mr. Can Rogers do it. can totally it's not, do it. It's not a coincidence that both of their names is Rogers. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. I found it. Good boy, Rogers. There's there's a guy I found on Instagram, and uh, his tag is uh, old time hockey. <laughs> Basically, he's kind of like like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Unto every generation, a Slayer is born. Unto every generation, a Mister Rogers is born, or a Bob Ross. And this guy is kind of like that. <laughs> and he he's he kind of has this Canadian vibe to him. And he just gives like really nice talks about taking care of yourself and being good to people. And he goes on like nature walks with his dog. His dog, his name is Donnie Brook. But like he, he does it with his accent. It's just like, Oh yeah, you know, it's all good. And sometimes we just have to treat ourselves. So I like to make myself my favorite dish, which is a bunch of frozen meatballs, a bunch of ketchup. And you put a whole bunch of soda in there and it just makes this nasty looking thing, but he's. 
and he plays like old Nintendo games on an old TV and uh, watches like Footloose and <laughs> and all these great things. If you just need to feel good, just feel good. Mm-hmm. Just look up old time hockey, H-A-W-K-E-Y. And uh, he's good. Good human is good. Also, if you want to know just how sexy Goro Takimura is, I found something. It's not the original artist, but it's uh, sci-fi.inside. And you'll see uh, a spread by Miami Todd. <laughs> and it's three different Goros, like one with his shirt off with um, like his tattoos, one with his like man bun, and then one with his hair down and wearing like um, a kimono, I think. Okay. And you'll know just how sexy this dad is. Uh, for sure, because nice. it's a really good rendition of of him. Well, do you? <laughs> <laughs> this this episode is about Nicole's thirst. Welcome. It's a trap. Right, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thirst trap. Well, do you want to talk about something that we both read? Yeah, sure. Because you, since we're talking about a bit of cyberpunk, yeah, uh, we both picked up a book published by Magnetic Press. Yeah. And it's called Paris 2119. Mm-hmm. It is written by a fella named Zip and drawn by somebody named Bertel. And uh, I did the Kickstarter. Um, I think you, you bought it from... Uh, yeah, I ordered it from my comic store called Comic Place in Bellingham. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so how did you enjoy it? Uh, I really like the art. Uh, the story... Yeah. It was pretty straightforward, and even for me, like I caught on to what it was pretty early on. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very easy. That. It's 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 minimal concept and execution. Yes. So in that way, I was a little disappointed because I don't think I'll reread it. No. Yeah, I I I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the art was the key thing. That's the main reason I I kickstarted, and I I like magnetic press stuff. And their Kickstarters are kind of fantastic because you basically pay kind of the same price as retail, maybe $5 more, Mm. but they give you a ton of stuff because they hit their stretch goals. Ah. And so for me, uh, I got a variant hardcover drawn by Peach Momoko. I got a metal coin with an image from the cover by Peach Momoko. And I don't know what I'm going to do with that metal coin. Nothing. It's a metal coin. A art book. And like an additional world book. So here's the thing. I think I got an extra benefit that you might have been missing because the extra book about the world development is much more fascinating than what they actually give you in the book because they lay out moments of the history of this world. Mm. And like there's so when you were reading the book, did you wonder why there's like spiky architecture that's one of the things throughout it. They'll go to areas in the city and it'll look like something exploded in the concrete. And there's like weird spikes all mm-hmm. around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if you're reading it, I think you just take that as future architecture. Pretty much. Yeah. But in the uh, world building book, they d- they mentioned that somebody created a form of nanotechnology artwork that developed a bug and glitched across the entire city. And just like exploded, creating like these weird hexagons and geometrical shapes that consumed part of the geography of Paris. Mm. So it's like, that's a cool idea. It's really interesting. Yeah. But it doesn't, you never explain it in the actual story. When you say it's low concept, I'll actually say it's high concept, low plot, <laughs> low, low development. 
Mm. Um, because there's tons of really fascinating concepts that you could see, but only understand if you read their notes, which is not a good way to do something. No. Yeah. No. Um, I guess it's also- like the just the concept of, you know, that they made this technology that has a flaw and they're covering it up. That's yes. That that's the whole thing. That's the whole plot, really. Yeah. And so I guess so, that's where I was thinking, like, that's the concept that he came up with and then yeah. he rolled with it. But there's so much more behind it that that was mm-hmm. never executed into the actual story. Yeah. Execution, I think, is the main problem. Yeah. Um, so we might as well tell. Let's spoil. Let's actually talk about what this book is about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, basically, they develop a technology that's instant teleportation. Yeah. And there's a kid who doesn't want to ever use it because he's me. He doesn't like to use even a cell phone. Um, he likes to walk the streets and, He you likes know. to walk the streets yeah. and take the subways, which are actually kind of weird and dangerous. And dangerous, yeah. But he keeps noticing people that, like, are uh, mentally unhinged. And uh, later on, he sees them again and they're okay and they don't know what he's talking about. Um he also has a girlfriend who, even though she's like on the cover prominently, she's like on my variant cover very prominently. Mm-hmm. She has virtually no characterization and it's just there for him to worry about. Yeah. Um, he cares and, a lot for this beautiful woman. Yeah. And she has headaches and stuff. That's maybe a side effect from teleportation. Mm-hmm. And so he starts – Oh, one day he notices that he sees the woman again, one of the women that seems to be uh, suffering from like seizures and a couple of medics take her and he's like, this is weird. And he follows him and they vaporize her. Yep. And so there's a conspiracy and there's a cover up. But he figures out who she is and he gives her a call and finds out that she exists like in another city, like in London or something like that. And she and she doesn't know what he's talking about. She's like, I'm fine. What's going on? And that's where he's like, oh, something's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, A bunch of other stuff happened that's kind of like just, you know, extending some of that plot line but to cut it short whenever you get into one of these teleportation uh, pods you are basically completely deconstructed and they just make a new one of you um so you die which is a fascinating concept to me and yeah. it's very existential horror um the uh and he tries to confront them about it. And this is where like the plotting really falls apart to me because there's uh, a guy that he knows that's, I don't know, head of the company or something that like their office is in the Eiffel Tower. Yep. And that guy is just like, oh, damn it. You couldn't just leave well enough alone. And then that guy disappears and he calls in shadowy, evil old man who tells him like, yep, everybody dies. So that means every day we kill hundreds of millions of people. And, you know, sometimes we can alter their memories when, you know, when we rebuild the new person Mm -hmm. from the genetic makeup. But sometimes there's accidents and things are messed up. So we're going to erase all your history and kill you now or something. Bye. And then the guy just runs away and easily gets away. Well, they they make him so that he doesn't exist. Yes. You know, like they take away, you know. Any any identifier that like the government would have or anything, which is which is actually worse than death. And there's places where people are off the grid and are pretty much living on the streets and stuff like that. Yep. And then he basically just kind of 
that's it. Like he's not going to unveil the conspiracy. Um, and the girl that he loves, her memory of him was wiped because she keeps teleporting. Yep. So they took away the memory at some teleport. And then he just kind of goes and visits her and takes her out for a drive. And that's the end. Yeah, because he he knows the things that she likes. And so he says the right thing. And and she's like, oh, I've always wanted to. Da, 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 da. And it's like, woo. Yeah, and charms her. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things of everything about the world I really like, everything about the threat I really like. Um, I'm, I am 100% down with the existential horror of trying to figure out, like, do you have a soul? Are you the sum of your memories? Is that your soul? You know, does the, the creature that comes after you in this case of a teleportation do they have the same rights and da 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 da? So I actually uh, I wrote like a, a a bit of a long form article about it because I focus more on the House of X powers of X take on it, but I use right. this as an example. Right. So there's there's stuff here I really like, mm-hmm. and I I really like Bertale's artwork. So I I do not regret getting this. In the back of the the book that I have, you can see that the artist likes to do blue washes of everything first yeah and that actually looks better i think than the color palette in the main thing like i would have liked to have seen the whole thing in this blue wash because there's something about it that i think highlights his art really really well and it might just be the way that he does like the lights and the darks because that's the reason why he does the the washes is to really understand like the the lights and darks of, of it so yeah no I, I agree i think it would have been much better as just the washes but yeah so i mean overall i do recommend it if you're in the mood for that kind of futuristic thing with with some interesting designs and ideas but just be prepared it's it's kind of a shallow shallow characters shallow plotting yeah i mean as much as i think it's um it's interesting and it was enjoyable. I don't know that it's worth it for the money um, because I just don't think it gives you enough to yeah. want to keep going back. Yeah, maybe borrow it from the library. Something like that, which it sucks yeah. because because it's not like I didn't didn't like it. And that's why I'm like, don't buy it. I just it's hard to justify something that I'm I'm going to read once and probably never look at again. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately. So, I mean, next time if they make a thing, maybe they find a way to bring that world piece into it a little bit more because there's a lot of fascinating things happening that I knew nothing about. Well, you know, it's it's a remarkably short hardcover. Mm -hmm. Um, So it almost feels like they were just like, we got this idea and we want to be done with it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, just get it out and move on. Yeah. Because I think if they had included, I mean, all they really had to do was maybe include an additional 20 to 30 pages Mm. of miscellaneous uh, world building flashbacks and and try to incorporate that into the larger plot. But I think they were just going for like short and sweet. And it's just kind of like, well, it's short. Um, (laughs) Don't know about sweet. Yeah. uh, But it's not sour. So I guess... Yay, you know. Yeah, with the with the prominent feature of his girlfriend, uh, is it Chloe? I think her name is. I think is? so. Yeah. 
I really thought we would get more about her, and she was a really, oh, yeah. in, she was a really uh, stunning, created character. Like you know the way she was really yeah. beautiful, and she had the you know the really dark skin with the with the light outfit, and so like visually, I think she was very stunning. And I yeah. really thought there was going to be something more to her, and I was going to know who she was and that kind of thing. And yeah. she just was kind of a plot point. Unfortunately, yeah, there's virtually nothing about her. And it would have been truly interesting if they had gone on an arc about uh, her discovering that now she's technically died how many times? Uh, yeah. And that, you know, so that that kind of existential horror yeah. and possible breakdown that could happen from that, where she's just like, I'm not me or I'm not the original me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it, it's it's a kind of a book of missed opportunities yeah which is a little unfortunate so it sounds like we both are just kind of like yeah but <laughs> not great about it yeah yeah no, which i think is just fine you know it happens um, you know it happens i'm still gonna support magnetic press stuff i've already i i i fell for their newest kickstarter i skipped two because i just like i can't afford to do that right now mm-hmm. but they had a, a a two-pack that has the newest chapter of the love animal books right which i absolutely love because yeah the the love series if you're unfamiliar are silent nature comics that basically follow a day in the life of a different animal. One is the tiger, one is the fox, one is the dinosaur, one is lion. And so the new one is the mastiff. So of course I'm going to be there for the dog chapter. (laughs) And that same artist uh, also has like a new fantasy book. So they went ahead and made them as like a, a pair package on Kickstarter. And I'll get another metal coin that I'll do nothing with. <laughs> oh, side point, this this Kickstarter package also f- uh, featured uh, a soundtrack, uh, a digital soundtrack. Oh, really? Of cyberpunk type music. Huh. And it's not bad at all. It's just kind of generic. So, yeah. Is there anything else that you've uh, that you've read that... You want to talk about? I've read a whole bunch of stuff, amazingly enough. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So one other thing that I read is a Kickstarter comic called Dwellings, and it is by Jay Stevens. Uh, It's the first comic he's done in like something like 20 years. Um, He did a series called Jet Cat Clubhouse and The Land of Nod and Atomic City Tales, I believe. And uh, I always loved him because he has a very cartoony style. And he would tell something that seems like it's 100% kid appropriate. And then something very wrong happens. And then he just acts like it didn't happen. So I love it. Um, but then he, he went into the world of animation. Uh, there's a couple cartoons series that he, you know, has a, a hand in. And so, you know, that's good for him, you know, uh, get that career going. Mm-hmm. But the comic industry has been suffering with the loss of his talent so he did this new comic and it's just a normal single issue comic and it is done in the style of like old harvey comics like casper and richie rich but they are straight up like ec style tales from the crypt horror oh cool the comic is printed in such a way that the pages are uncoded and so everything looks aged Mm. yeah the the main story is there's this kid 
Um, like he looks like he's all of like six, but he's supposed to be 18. It's just the art style. And he, uh, is accosted one day by somebody in the park who's a mafia guy who's just like, no, I know who you really are. Your mom ratted on us. And he's like, uh, you know, how'd she like visit? So the guy, the kid immediately beats the man to death with a stone and then leaves the corpse. And then a bunch of crows eat the corpse. And then for the rest of the issue, uh, crows keep following him and, Somebody offhand tells him, like, yeah, crows have been known to follow packs of wolves because they know where the food's going to be and they'll, you know. And so uh, the kid starts, like, being haunted by them and he's like, they want me to kill again. <laughs> and uh, so he, he and he tries to kill the crows but by poisoning them, but he accidentally poisons, like, his next door neighbor's dog and the crows eat its eyeballs out and everything. It's just pretty gruesome, but done again in that Richie Rich style. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. And it's like a five, take like $5 or so. It's $6.66 on the cover. Uh, but that's a Canadian price. So it's like $5.19 or something. But you can order it directly from the publisher. So I'll include that in the link. Okay. Absolutely loved it. It is fantastic. When did you pick that up? Uh, it arrived like five days ago oh. but i realized this episode's going to be far in the future yeah very far so in the future i'm gonna it was say in january. <laughs> yeah january like fourth or fifth i yeah. got it yeah it's it's well worth checking out you could get the digital copy which is less expensive so again i'll, I'll put a, a a link in our show notes mm-hmm how did you come across the comic like you just check out the publisher or do you pay oh, attention to what he's kickstarter doing? oh kickstarter uh, yeah i got it off kickstarter oh sorry I must yeah, have missed yeah, yeah. when you said that. Oh, well, no worries. Yeah, it's because I do the Kickstarter tracking for the newsletter, um, right. on, you know, for, for my patrons. That's right. Only $3 a month. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it popped up pretty early for me because I was just like, Jay Stevens, Jay Stevens. Um, <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> Give me Jay Stevens. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize how much I missed him because it's been 20 years. You know, it's it's just there's so many talents. But reading him again and absorbing his style of storytelling, mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of like, oh, give me some of that sweet, sweet Jay Stevens. <laughs> Can you get his other works through the publisher or are they I think you could get some of them. Um, I think I saw one or two others, but I don't the, – the others are so old that they might technically be out of print – but I doubt you'd have to pay too much for them because the industry, I don't think, has ever really given him the respect he's needed mm-hmm. uh, or deserved. Because uh, a lot of his stuff, I want to say, was kind of like mid-90s-ish, you know, late 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think almost nobody really knows what Atomic City Tales was. But Land of Nod and Jet Cat kind of are a bit more familiar because Jet Cat was adapted into cartoons later on. Uh, where they they very much avoided some of those creepier things. Um, so, yeah. Yep, yep. Nice. And again, he's a very cartoony style, so a lot of people might not really appreciate it. But like, if you like Evan Dorkin and Milk and Cheese, I think you'd love Jay, uh, Jay Stevens stuff. Nice. Um, it's, it's part of that, like... That wheelhouse of the 90s that was also like slave labor graphics and and you get Johnny and Squee and, Mm -hmm. you know, but this one was a bit more disguised and seemed a bit more wholesome most of the time. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, yeah. I like those there elements it where it seems like things are going okay, but then there's something eerie below the surface. Like, yeah, it's the kind of indie comics that I think it makes me like things like Liz Suburbia, like her Sacred Heart. Oh yeah, very cartoony. Wow, yeah, it just looks like it's like hot Straight stuff or something. Yeah, yeah, hot stuff. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, uh, it looks like there's going to be more issues. Uh, it, at least it sounds like from what I could read on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the hoping he just keeps going with his style. Yeah, for sure. It also includes real quick here. Uh, a page of fake ads, like mail-in ads, and it has exploding hand grenade. This menacing hand grenade looks and works just like a real one. All you do is pull the pin, throw the grenade, and watch the fun as it explodes. Harmless. 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 And then they had, uh, let's see here, the Black Death, an invocation, and then just like a foreign language, you know, just nice, evil-looking ads, uh, and then it just says... Do not send me the items listed. I will be dissatisfied and will return the entire order after 10 days of feeling quite sorry for myself for being so utterly foolish. Not a real advert. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but we cannot actually ship orders because nothing is real. Everything is a lie. You must know this. (laughs) Beautifully done. Beautifully Beautifully done. done. Yeah. So how about you? Any Um, good reads? I don't know if I can make this quick. Uh, So I've been reading Pleasure and Corruption, which I've talked about, I think I've mentioned, but I don't think I've really talked about. It's part of my little, like, smut smut time manga. And the first volume was um, focusing on this this high school. Everything's in high school, which can be a problem sometimes. Yeah. Um, unless you're reading Berserker to your eternity, and then your soul's crushed, but it's not in high school. <laughs> um, so what is this, Berserk, but in high school? Oh, God. <laughs> How have they not had a weird spin-off like that? Every manga does. Let's save that for a future episode. Okay, future episode. <laughs> We're almost getting soon to Berserk time anyway, but Yeah. So it's this high school student who deals with his stress by taking up upskirt photos of girls. It's an interesting <laughs> way to do things. And uh, sure. um one of one of the um like high achieving uh girls who's like the vice uh, vice president of the school council or whatever, you know, just like a really uh, upstanding citizen, I guess, in high school. She catches him and then she blackmails him into meeting meeting him in an empty room after school and letting, uh, or no, up on the roof in the first time, uh, tying him in rope bondage. And um, then he says he has to urinate. So she takes his penis out and she uh, allows him to urinate. Yeah, that's how the first okay. volume starts. Uh, okay. So that's a thing. A lot of un- unconsenting, unethical BDSM stuff in this first volume. So I'm like, okay, right now you're doing what manga likes to do in these types of things and be uh, like non-consenting, um, but exciting. <laughs> okay. Thank God this is fiction. Um but then by the second volume, you realize a little bit more that that's he was doing the upskirts to deal with stress because he he works really hard in school, but he's not making the grades and his parents are stressing him out because they they expect him to be high achieving. He's in this like school that, you know, I don't know, all these other things. And so you start to feel sympathy for him. And then he realizes that he can relieve his stress by participating in this rope bondage with her so then the second volume becomes consensual and he starts having this um um affinity towards her because she is the one who is helping him to like 
to deal to deal with the stressful situation that is high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this sweet sweet girl um, who is also, I guess, a pretty pretty good girl as far as things go. She's like noticing him and her um, hanging out together or something, and then she catches them in one of these scenes. And so then she's like, well, now I want to try it. Uh, and so then uh, it's like, oh, so now volume two is becoming a triad? Interesting. Now I really want to know. Now I really want yeah. to know. But then yeah. volume three just came out. And volume three is all about her mm. having a crush on the main guy and finding a way to get an in because she, she wants to be with him. So she goes to Bondage Girl and says, teach me your ways. Okay. And by the end of the volume, she's like tying him up in rope bondage and he's just like <laughs> Actual sound effects. Yeah, you can you can guess what you can guess what happens. There's a lot of pleasure for him in all of this. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Actually everyone's everyone's really experiencing pleasure. So it's interesting. Every volume does something a little bit different and takes a different spin. And overall I'm down with it because ultimately what I want is a consenting BDSM comic kind of like you know sunstone something like that where it's like let's talk about relationships and bondage and so i'm i'm very very curious to see where this continues to go because it just i keep getting surprised i'm like we're on triad no we're not now we're in crush land but learning rope bondage to to get your crush to notice you (laughs) how to get your crush to notice you 28 rope bondage techniques (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How to get them to notice you? Don't let them escape. <laughs> <laughs> also, if they need to come, let them come. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it got awkward, didn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, it never did not get awkward. It never but that's did okay. not get awkward. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I would actually recommend that manga, and it. Okay. I think it's. I, they always have these little stories in the back, and I think in the, maybe the first volume, the creator was talking about how they went to like a a bondage con, you know, and learned all about rope bondage and stuff. And they were like, "It's fun," and it was just like very endearing, you know, just very like there was no serious. You know, they weren't taking it like significantly. Like rope bondage is a very serious thing, and you gotta. She was just like, "Somebody tied me up, and it was cool." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I love I, that. I really want to know what the bondage con is called because in my mind it's like buy high con bond con or some you know weird <laughs> buy high bond con buy high bond con uh, that's buy probably what it is bond con sure okay yeah we'll just go with that for now okay yeah and I've read a ton more but we have run out of time so we'll okay. have to talk about okay. stuff. Some other day. Ta- but time is an illusion. It's an okay, illusion. Well, then, uh, quick plugs, then. Uh, you can find my writing at trustyhenchman.com. There are articles. There are upcoming features of books that are uh, solicited. I try to go through the catalog and help you find things uh, that might actually be good in the future. You can also support me at uh, my Patreon. All the links are up on my website. $3 a month gets you a weekly newsletter with a metric crap ton load of information. And yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. what I got. Yeah. So it's time for the awkward goodbye. Awkward goodbye. My brain is tired, so I was like, it's time we clap. Because that's what we oh. do in the beginning to try to line up the audio. Mm-hmm. So awkward goodbye is just... 
It's a clap. Ooh, it could be like we're at a shrine of Inari in Ghosts of Tsushima, and we clap, we shake it, mm. and we let it off into the world. Oh. And we uh, we honor the Inari. That's so beautiful. It is beautiful. And you get to or have can... a fox friend. <laughs> Who doesn't want friend. a fox friend? Or I can just say it in a stupid voice, like, bye. Bleh. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Bye.